Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Hello and welcome to Intertextual Cardboard Experience. So excited for today's terrific guest taking the show into the teens. Uh, some intentional alliteration there with Eric from the Board Game Dojo YouTube channel and podcast. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, you know what? I'm pretty good. I have to say that, you know, I feel bad for your audience because they're probably excited. They're like, oh, man, we've gotten Dan Tarot. We've gotten John Perry. Who's going to be next? And then they go into the feed. They're like, who's this guy? This one, I'm feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome, but my goal is to at least say one interesting thing in the duration of our episode today. Well, I I, I don't think that that like hmm, justification or thought is justified at all. I um I think there's going to be many many very interesting thoughts uh, coming from you, and and a lot of it is just like based on uh, the work that that you're doing. So one of the like I'm excited for any episode, but I'm I'm really excited for this because uh, this is what I'm deeming the first crossover uh, episode. So towards the end of last year, 2023, you uh, reached out to me about a couple of end of year episodes that you were doing, where you included some guests from different uh, board game media, you know, podcasts, YouTube channels, and everything like that to reflect on a couple of year end type of topics. So today we're we're going to be talking about you know crossovers uh, and community, and then I have like a really, I have a structural intent where I'm thinking about like transitions and segues from one topic to the next. Uh, they might be stupid, but it's always always got to be something, right? That's part of any good podcast episode is terrible segues. Okay, good. Well, I I I'm not like cornering the market, but I I will. Say that I can stand out amongst the best and terrible, terrible segues. <laughs> I don't know. This sounds like the competition is on. Okay. All right. Well, I guess if if you want to like take on that challenge, if you want to, we'll we'll battle. It'd be a meta game to a gaming podcast. Speaking of podcast, I'm on one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's deep. <laughs> oh, oh my, good stuff already. So, hey, look at look at that. You already you already got me right out of the gate. So, um, before before talking about like your channel, what got you into board games and and everything like that, I just kind of want to ask you uh, about you. You are I okay? I'm a Midwesterner. You are a fellow Midwesterner, as I've learned but you've moved around just a little bit. So I just kind of want to know <laughs> uh, a little bit more about that, like you and and everywhere you've been and kind of the experiences, uh, not necessarily even board game related that have have kind of like come from that. Just just enlightening me and 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 everybody too. Um sure. Um yeah, so kind kind of like specific jiko shokai, as we say in Japanese, like your self introduction. Um, I actually was not planning on moving to Japan, like whatsoever. Um, I did my study abroad for my undergrad, which was in psychology, um, and I was studying under a depression expert in Ireland, and there was just like a mess up in the registrar while I was in Ireland in my college in the U.S that the classes that I was supposed to be signed up for to graduate 
they didn't sign me up for and they were now full. So um, they were like, all right, well, we have a Japanese history class that you could take and it fulfills your requirement. What do you say? It's the only class that fits in your schedule. I'm like, well, I want to graduate, so I'm going to take that. And I liked it so much that I ended up minoring in it. And I was, I ended up being the TA for the class. This was around the time when I started getting really interested in teaching as well. Um, so, you know, high fives for teachers across the Zoom call that we're on. Um, and so that's what I decided to do. I was recommended by the professor to go and teach in his home country of Japan. And so that was kind of actually how I got to Japan in the first place. I was on the JET program. If people listening might know that one, it's a pretty popular um, way to go teach English in Japan. I did that for a couple of years, went freelance after that. And yeah, because I fell in love both in the country and with my wife. Um, one of those, uh, there's like, uh, there's a couple of like uh, sayings that I'm not going to repeat on the podcast about foreigners who end up staying longer than they expected because they fell in love over there. Um, so that's kind of my story. But also, I mean, that was also the time when I got back into board gaming was while I was in Japan, actually. So a lot of my familiarity with board games is actually a lot different than what um, people are used to because it is very, very expensive to get games from the West in Japan. So I actually learned a lot of them a lot later and kind of a lot of my gateway games were Japanese games. And now I'm in France for a little while. Cool. And then how long how long have you been in France? Because yeah, I know, I know that when we were coordinating and and something to get in the future, seeing your little board game arena flag, it was not a Japanese flag. <laughs> it was a French one. So Yeah, we're uh we've been here for a half a year. We're on one year visas. So um my wife is trying to uh become a trilingual translator between English, French, and Japanese. So I'm here working and she's studying hard. Actually, that's what she's doing in the bedroom over there while we're recording over here. Kabate. That's awesome. I uh yeah. I, I think I, I mentioned it in a previous episode uh when I was talking to uh Peter Rustemeyer, the designer of Paleo, and just you know, people that know multiple languages. And I'm I'm sure honestly there's well, I know for certain that there's been multiple people on the show that know more than just English, but I have a very rudimentary understanding of Spanish and and very even that is like super dusty, but like learning multiple languages I just think is super I don't know. If I you know, it's one of those things that I like put it on my I want to do more of. So being able to like not just do it, but do it in a way that you can teach other people multiple languages too like that's that's like a skill on top of uh, a skill already oh definitely i tell all of my students that i'm just like you're probably better at english than i am because <laughs> i am terrible in multiple languages so that's cool hey probably better than me well definitely better than me in the the former well, english well who knows if you how's if my you marketing hear... pitch as an english teacher do you want to hire me oh uh... <laughs> Honestly, I think I think I think you know 
it's all about the the intent, the passion. If you want to do it, go for it. You know, <laughs> teaching English is something else. Yeah, you would know. I, I would. Cool. Okay. So uh, kind of diving a little bit more, like I th there's plenty that could be unpacked, but you mentioned that like when you moved to Japan is when you started kind of re-getting interested into board games. And you said that that experience was a little bit different. So, and, and that kind of getting some of the, you know, the Western games was a little bit more uh, challenging, you know, initially, obviously getting like introduced to them more and more over uh, the, the course of the years. But I guess what were some of the games then that you were playing that, that kind of like really hooked you when, when you first started getting back that you're perhaps are ones that are a little bit outside of the ones that are maybe canon entry points or something like that, that you're like, wow, this is, I like board games again, or I like these situations that I'm in. Ooh, um, that is a good question. And I think it has mostly to do with the fact that I was kind of in a new country studying a new language. So like I actually moved to Japan not knowing a single word of Japanese, which I give a zero out of five on Yelp. Do not recommend that strategy. Um, so I was trying to find ways to actually like get to know people and kind of use like a little bit of the Japanese that I've learned and but still talk to people who knew a little bit of English. And one of the best places to do that was actually at board game meetups that were specifically tailored for expats who were trying to study Japanese and for Japanese people who were trying to practice their English. And so a lot of the games that we played required some kind of communication. So it was games that actually I think people in the Western world know, but maybe aren't the ones you think of, of how to get into board games. So for example, Time Bomb which is a social deduction game in which literally you're just like, everybody has cards around the table and some of them are bombs and some of them are wires. And you need to, and there is a set of like pliers on the table and people are going to bluff you whether or not, you know, based on their team, like, oh no, I'm safe. If you cut my, like, you're just going to cut wire, which is good. We're all the good guys here. Cut mine. But, you know, some of you are actually wanting them to cut your cards because your cards are the bomb and you want the bomb to go off. It's been remade by Yellow in a couple different editions, but um, that was one of the games. And of course, you also have games like Love Letter. You have the original version of Coup. Um, and I think that those were really the ones that got me kind of back into it were really the party games more than anything. Because I remembered how fun it was to be social with people and kind of use this set of rules to, okay, maybe I'm a little bit nervous talking to people normally, but when I'm playing in a set of rules and I need to kind of at least role play something out at the table, it allows me to kind of come out of my shell a little bit. And that's kind of remained a reason why I love board gaming so much and why I haven't gotten as into solo gaming as a lot of other people are. There are a few exceptions. But for the most part, I don't because board gaming to me is a chance to be social. Are you kind of the same way you see board games as a kind of social dynamic thing? Or are you more solo? Do you do a little bit of both? 
Okay, well, that's a that's a good follow up question, but kind of like you know reflecting on your your experience and and that's a really I mean that makes a lot of sense that idea of using well first off like having two different groups trying to like learn each other's like language and and meeting up in that setting is it's really cool. I mean, I guess I hadn't really even like thought about that much, but the games that and the types of games that you are mentioning, having them be more social and then having that kind of be like a part of like your gaming like identity uh now too. Like like I mentioned, does make a lot of sense. For me, I I think like I've always liked games. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up playing like a lot of the, the typical games that kids play. Uh, and then one of the things that I did probably honestly, like say, let's just make up a number, let's say nine and beyond and did when I was, uh, whenever I was home for like a super long time was I played a ton of cribbage with my dad so i've never logged a game of cribbage on board game geek but i i can't imagine that there's a game that i've played that comes close to the numbers that i initially logged there but you know a video gamer uh, as well and and then i think just kind of like i had probably a more uh stereotypical or kind of general uh entry like I, I think in high school i played a little bit of uh Catan, so maybe like a little bit earlier than than some people were but i played i played uh sheep's head too that was kind of like my intro into trick taking trick taking so i was kind of always playing but still kind of like on the, the outskirts of like the hobby i always throw that in quotes and once i started like falling into it more i i think i just kind of wanted to be able to do it as much as i can so there is like that social element that i that i do really like so if i'm playing uh games with more than well myself because i do play a decent amount of solo games like i really like them to have that interactivity whether that is more of like a social party style game or even one that's more of like a you know, strategic uh, affair. Like I, I like, because I think I do a lot of that solo stuff, I would prefer to like have my gaming experience get kind of get like right in each other's face, whether that's mean or not, I guess it doesn't really matter, but that's, no, that's yeah, like I'm making a conscious effort not to play a solo game today. So let's do something that differentiates it from when I'm just playing by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of like, the way I approach games, but I mean, end of the day, if anybody wants to <laughs> to play a game in any capacity, even if it's not like the most interactive, like I'll play. It's all all about not all about games, but I just like I like them a lot. I like the puzzles. I like the interactions. I like whatever it is that they can bring. Cool. Cool. Okay. Hmm. Let's. I'd say. Oh. Okay. I do have a follow-up question. I kind of skipped it. So we talked about, like you a little bit, uh, talked about how your travels did help uh, kind of like re-get you back into board gaming. So I guess uh, what what point then did you start thinking about that and uh, your your media, your YouTube channel, your podcast, the things that you make? Oh, good question. Um, I think it started 
when I first got an established game group in Japan because there was a group of us who really liked to explore a combination of known entities and unknown games as well. And uh, I'm sorry if people are coming over from my podcast because I've talked about this a couple times, so I'm going to say it again. But in all honesty, it kind of started partly out of a happy or positive reason and partly out of irritation because we were happy because people were getting a little bit more interested in the Japanese gaming scene, which I still think is a little bit under the radar, even though you've had big hits internationally like Trio, which was originally Nana or Scout. But... Um, you know, we were excited to be like, okay, hey, people are interested in this. Let's show what the Japanese gaming scene is all about. But it was also partly out of irritation because our group was also listening to kind of a variety of different board game media. And they would often kind of talk about Japanese games kind of in a way that made them sound unserious. And what I mean by that is they'd be like, oh, this game isn't very good, like mechanically, but ha ha ha, it's just kind of a silly game to be expected out of Japan. So we'll give this a six or seven out of 10 because, you know, it's a Japanese game. So, you know, we kind of expect them not to be as good mechanically. And it's kind of like, really? Like, I don't know if that's really a fair evaluation of that. And so now even, you know, we just finished our first full year as a YouTube channel and a podcast, but we're constantly kind of in and out and giving each other opinions as to what we think of different games coming out of Japan, Korea, and Taiwan, and all of these different areas, and kind of trying to make it so that we are giving them their due of like, okay, you know what? There are some great games, but there's also a lot of really bad ones, just like anywhere else in the world. And by giving that seriousness to it, then it helps, I hope, give uh, designers a chance to really have their really good work stand out. That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, you mentioned uh, having that message exist uh, on your on your show uh, to a degree, and that's, I mean, that's when I was like when we when you reached out and I well listened to the, the episodes that you had like all those reflections on, but you did your personal reflecting and, and a lot of it was kind of like a look back on, on that first year and like your goals and how they're going and like what you want to do to keep at it and like kind of even tinker with that. And, you know, I'm all about that. Like I'm all about like the vision and I'm all about like seeing what it is uh, that you can like continue to do and just like try uh, different things in in a unique way. And, and honestly, well, that's, that's a little a hair forward thinking, uh, and and maybe we'll see when we get there too. But yeah, I <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So do I. Do I like smell a hint of foreshadowing from the English teacher over there? Foreshadowing, where we've we've got we had alliteration exist. Uh, foreshadowing. I don't even. Hmm, I don't even think like what level. <laughs> of the English I'd be at. I, I don't know. I I think like that's like a weird thing about teaching, you know, high school. There's so many things that I wonder like I'm just not in tune with 
you know, elementary or uh, like any sort of like pre-secondary English education. So I just like, I just like assume certain things. And honestly, the feedback that I am like getting in real time is like, D do you actually know about this? Do you not? Like how much more do I need, <laughs> need to go on? But nonetheless. Do you that's... know what a simile is? Please give me any kind of response. Sim simile, they, 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 they like, they like simile because they can just say like or as. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy one for them, typically. Uh, but yeah, they they get get a little wacky, and then then I try to reel it in. But then I also have to say that it's not even necessarily about having the the vocabulary to like to use, but just being able to think about like how from like an auditory or reading standpoint that it affects you as like a reader or a listener and can like potentially like hook uh, an audience member to just to like look at this part because it's doing something different. I think that's the most important thing. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. I don't know. That sounds pretty, you could convince me easily of that. I mean, you don't have to know that it's a simile be like you don't have to know that it's called a simile in order to know it makes it easier for you to understand just like new people to board gaming don't have to know what's called worker placement to know they enjoy it Ooh, that's a good analogy <laughs> i'm putting my hands up in kind of the rocky stance just so everybody is aware uh why he's laughing it, it's perfect well we we're we're getting our english education done um, but the day school day is technically over, so I'll we'll take a pause from that. <laughs> I think people come to the intertextual cardboard experience really for the English teacher talk. Yeah, for my my philosophical musings as to like what is the purpose of English education. Oh, please don't make me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna okay. give me like a job existential crisis. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been there before, so well. This is a perfect transition point anyway. We get to we get to hear my first bad segue. So we have technically crossed over a couple of oceans, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So now we are to the, the crossover time. So earlier I deemed this as like my first crossover uh episode, but I do also think that the idea of a crossover might be a hair uh, nebulous, and it could really depend on the medium. I did kind of ask you to reflect in advance on some crossover type of episodes, so we'll see how up you are to the task. And our interpretation could be different, and that's fine. You mean I was supposed to look at your messages that told me what we were going to talk about today? Uh, no, you don't have to do anything. That's <laughs> Then, then it's a pop quiz, so you're good. <laughs> oh, good. Students yeah. love those. Yeah. So you're going from like a, you have the study guide, just taking it and ripping it up, and now just going, going for it. But, okay. So, yeah. So like I said, could be inter interpreted a little bit differently, and that's perfectly fine because I think it ties into this idea of an intertextual exploration. And I'm all for that. So, okay, I got a few categories. And honestly, uh, I, I was going to give my preface later. I thought about some, obviously. I mean, I came up with the categories. I did a very minor 
amount of like poking around uh, the internet just to like see what were some of the things that other people are saying and and to kind of like focus my uh, my thoughts as well. But I, I really didn't include a ton of things that A, I didn't think about initially or B, I didn't have any type of experience with if I did see them like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like this is like a good crossover. So first off, crossovers and television. I think this is probably one that is probably one of the more like prolific mediums where, where crossovers can can exist. So any crossovers uh, in shows or episodes that you have on your mind? Oh, man. Okay. Just just to be clear, though, to the audience, I did actually look at the question. That was a joke <laughs> earlier. I am a professional. No, not really. But like, not a professional, but I did look at the question. Um, I, I can now put myself safely in a certain age group by my first answer, which was like, as a kid, my mind was blown when the sweet life of Zach and Cody crossed over with <laughs> Hannah Montana. I was like, what? So that was cool. Um, or like the That's So Raven and Lizzie McGuire crossovers, things like that. Like I was Disney kid during that time. But I would have to say that one of my favorite crossover episodes was actually when Archer and Bob's Burgers crossed over a little bit because uh both sterling archer and bob from bob's burgers is voiced by the same guy and so the whole episode was basically them just making fun of that <laughs> on an episode of archer uh because i had i think they had both characters in it if i'm remembering correctly it's been like a year or so since i've watched that episode but i just laughed so hard because a lot of the jokes were just him poking fun at himself and in case it hasn't been like very obvious throughout the first part of this podcast that is right up on my humor <laughs> level so i think that that would be my choice for really good crossover episode how about you okay so oh i funny so like i said i i didn't include any that that i didn't have like a ton of familiar familiarity with or i was just kind of like okay i, I could like i know these shows but i don't really know that episode so the ones that you mentioned like the disney ones familiar with the show i've definitely seen episodes of well enough episodes of of all four uh that you had mentioned there but i i couldn't say like oh yeah i remember that crossover but when you mentioned the the bob's burgers and the archer one like i've definitely seen that i've, I've seen my fair share of both of those but it's been such a long time since i've been watching archer or or bob's burgers and that's that's like a sad like i'm definitely in the the same camp that i love i love those shows but <laughs> uh, and they're so different on like the style of humor but they're both funny in their own rights like bob's burgers has a lot of like that wholesome humor mm -hmm. whereas archer is definitely like not something you would watch with your family yeah yeah no that that works and and you know i so mentally you you asked me to like obviously i think i mean that's like a, a a really great example of an a, of a crossover because of the the humorous elements of having let's say h h john benjamin right oh uh, yeah being, that's it being being the voice of both it makes it just adds a different layer i mean i think animation and and one category in like video games i think is very open to being able to like cross over or i mean i think a lot more probably like parody or inclusion of 
but I don't think that's like a true crossover. At least that's not the way I imagine it. But I'm fine with like saying that that works too, because I don't make rules. I don't enforce rules. No rules. No, I think that makes complete sense. <laughs> the what you said earlier about the parody is not the you don't make the rules or enforce rules. <laughs> don't let your students listen to this. Hey, I I'm not, like I said I don't I don't make rules. If they want to listen, they can <laughs> they, they can listen. But yeah, so that's that's like a really good animated uh, example for sure. So mine, these are the two that stuck out to me. They're shows that I, well, I guess the 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 latter example is not one that I've seen relatively recently. But we actually just rewatched uh, my wife and I, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and there was a crossover bit with that and New Girl. <laughs> Which apparently, yeah, yep. I know, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> apparently that creates some sort of plot holes because uh, I, I didn't really, again, I didn't want to like dive too much to have my memory or have my my thought process clouded. But I think there's an actor in both shows. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. That is one that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, so. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen New Girl in in a while, but we did just watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, so that one popped up for me. And uh, another one, and this has been a while too, but I I know that in Community, the character Abed was really obsessed with the show Cougar Town, and I think that there was like some crossover there too. I have never seen that show. Okay, well. I don't. I don't want to spoil uh, something later, but yeah. So, community. I think in terms of intertextual elements and and like more like references and allusions and everything like that, it's very very rife with that. But I think in terms of like the crossover, I think that was probably the only point where it did crossover because I think he was in another episode of Cougar Town and they showed him just sitting there. I, I don't know. It's been a while, but. I'm I'm saying it counts and maybe maybe check it out. It's it's a it's an interesting show. All right, yeah. Gets it gets a like a soft recommendation for me. A soft recommendation. <laughs> okay, it's still a recommendation though, so yes. I'll give it a whirl. Yeah, for sure. Okay, here's one that I personally struggled with: uh, movies. Uh uh, you know what? I'm going to be a really nice guest and let the host go first. It's definitely not a stalling technique. I just am trying to be polite. Okay. I put two question marks next to movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is not very helpful, I have to say. I, like I said, I I poked around and there are definitely some things that seemed to exist out there, but they're definitely not ones that I was particularly familiar with. So we can we can give that uh like a strike through. I'm fine with it. And we can say that this is later uh homework for us. I don't know, does Space Jam count? Like the NBA oh, and Looney Tunes? Oh. I'll 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 count it. Hundred yeah. Because that was like <laughs> iconic. I haven't seen the LeBron James one, 
I'm talking about the original with Michael Jordan. Yeah, I, that was um, okay. Now, now you're throwing me back. So, I, I mean, I was young when when that movie came out, but that was that was like a pretty big like cultural thing that had happened too. So like the the advertising for it, like everything about Space Jam was was huge. <laughs> right, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't really know of a recent example that I can think of, but like, if I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, what was big? That was huge. Like, that was yeah. so cool. It was. I mean, I, I, I mean, memory is a very confusing thing. Obviously, like, I let's see when Space Jam came out because I know that I saw it in theaters. So let's let's make me feel old. Let's make you feel old. Let's make us feel old. Wow, ninety six. Did I see this in theater? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even know. It says it's 1996, but I... Maybe this is a real memory, because I feel like I went to the theater to see Space Jam, and I had a book of Disney optical illusions. <laughs> okay. So, like, I was sitting there waiting for for Space Jam, and I had this book. Like, you know those things that are... You know, the they have all the visual like mess where if you like stare at them for like a really long time and then you like move them away you can like see pictures within them oh yeah like the <laughs> like the old like magic eyes and stuff like that yeah, right stuff like that so yeah I, I remember those so i have like a memory in my head that's like me having one of those books waiting for the movie to start is it real is it fake i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, you're a little older than me, though, because I would have been two at that time. So I don't think I saw Space Jam in theaters. But I also remember where I saw it, which was in a library. And one of those, um, like, stay overnight at the library nights. Yeah. That's why I saw it. And I was like, what is this? Well, nonetheless, these these were formative memories for us. These changed us. <laughs> Space Jam shaped us. <laughs> Well, okay. So uh, you you win that question. I, I don't think I, I I have nothing else. I say that it works. It's a perfect crossover. The this is crossover. also how I win games. Is that the that is this the only time I win games is when the other opponent doesn't actually move. <laughs> and and also like kind of funnily enough, like one of the things that I was thinking about for like you know the, the elements of the show. And kind of like titling it too, I was thinking about like crossovers and transition. And that's, those are like, that's basketball terminology. Whoa. <laughs> so I was like, honestly, I'm not even joking. I was contemplating titling it like crossovers and transitions, parentheses, not a basketball episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. So basketball authentically entered the chat. I'm a Pistons fan, so I actually don't know how to play good basketball. A Pistons fan? You, I thought you said you're from Minnesota. I don't want to spoil I am it. from Minnesota. Okay. That is true. Like, good memory. Yes, I am from Minnesota, <laughs> but originally I'm from Detroit. So I am Detroit oh. everything, including my Lions actually playing football. Okay. Okay. Well, we, we get like these nice like regional rivalries, I guess. So my Packers <laughs> didn't do so oh. great last weekend. Well, whatever. That's 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 a different podcast. That's a different story. That's my NFL armchair quarterback one. So you're not subscribed. Is that a real thing? No. <laughs> oh, I was ready to like. Oh, okay. 
I don't think anybody wants to hear that. <laughs> well, not from a Packers fan, maybe, but hey. from other people. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So basketball's authentically entered basketball. That's uh, so we're getting super intertextual. Okay, so you win. I didn't have response. Base Jam, iconic, very good crossover movie. How about I got three more categories? Books. Ooh, okay. Um, I think that this is maybe like the peak of nerdiness, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go with Ready Player One here. Just because I remember the experience, and I say the experience of it because I listened to it on audiobook, mm-hmm. and I listened to it while I was still learning my neighborhood in Japan. So I was kind of like taking in all these new sites while also having like all these familiar references kind of streaming into my ears. And so it was really cool, like, just to be like, oh, yeah, I recognize that. And then with my eyes, they'll be like, I had, I do not recognize that. <laughs> but it was just one of those things that like I remember really fondly when I first moved to Japan of like reading, well, listening to that book and uh, hearing all these kind of references and being like, oh, I got that one. Oh, I don't understand that one. I have to look that one up when I get home. Yeah, I, I think that works really well. Yeah, so I think like... For, yeah, for me, I mean, that one yeah, it has a lot. So it has, you know, like like a lot of Easter egg type of things, which is actually ingrained into like what the book is in the first place. So it's it's a very like unique uh, novel. I, I liked it. Um, and the fact that it kind of like has the characters entering this virtual reality to encompass like pre-created worlds. Yeah, everything feels 80s, even like the storyline has a very like 80s movie feel to it indeed without without falling down a, a rabbit hole thumbs up or thumbs down to the movie um i have heard mixed reviews about it so honestly i haven't seen it because i want to keep the book memory alive how about you I'll and say, i need your crossover book as well okay I'll, i don't really have a book but i'll, I'll get my answer in a, in a second. I do have an answer here. I didn't put down question marks. I'm not bailing yet. I would say keep keep your current status of just reading the book and not watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> not, okay. Not terrible, but it 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 does a, it changes a lot. Like in really weird ways. Oh, so not even in like better ways that might fix some of the Lot holes, which I don't really know if there are any off the top yeah. of my head, but okay. Yeah, I yeah, it just changes a lot, and it's it's not a movie for me. Like if I think there's a lot of like visual enjoyment, like to see some of the things that were mentioned in the books, and and to have a lot of other uh, other references. I think there's even like a different set of references of things that just kind of characters that like pop up and exist in different places in the movie, which is which is cool, but on the whole. I would say it's not worth it. Good to know. All right. <laughs> All right. What's your crossover book? So for me, I, like I said, I was kind of poking around, kind of looking. And what I came up with was more of a, more of like different, like authors that create their own, uh, like fictional worlds and have characters within them like go into different books so like Faulkner does it a lot and 
and like has like different families that are in in certain novels be in other ones and i'm and in general like i have to keep pushing my my uh faulkner reading but i'm i'm like a big fan i've read a few uh of his novels now and and, and a couple of his shorts so not a specific answer but just like an author and and then i was thinking too that it'd be cool if like and maybe the, i don't know if this ex exists but if like authors collaborated in a way where they had like shared worlds where they had like the characters crossover i think that'd be cool too but okay so if theoretically you would have two authors do that mm -hmm. who would you want to have that would do that i mean i'm not even super up on <laughs> modern literature just because i'm trying to backtrack so much so um I mean, let's let's say let's like make make like Faulkner um, work with like Don DeLillo. I mean, this can't happen, but I think that well, be it's all theoretical. I think I think that would be like a pairing that would intrigue me. I wish like I had read them because it's one of those where it's like, especially Faulkner. You hear it a lot of like, you have to read it once. And maybe like the first time you're not going to get it, but you have to keep going through it. I've heard that a lot and I just haven't gotten to it. So. And, and I think like, yeah, I think a lot of his stories are at least like in the sound and the fury or Absalom, Absalom, they start off in, in such kind of like convoluted uh, multiple storylines. And, and like, there's no way that unless you're like really like working through it, that it's going to become like initially clear uh, of what's going on. And that's like the way that they start. And then, and then I think, I think sometimes it gets easier as you go, but it's, it's an investment, but for DeLillo, I would say like a good uh, starting point. And just like one of the books that I, I loved was white noise, which was actually just made into a movie that I haven't seen yet, but it's a it's a unique book. Generally, if there's a book and a movie out for the same thing, which do you do first? I I would say like well, first off, I would have never thought that White Noise would have been adapted into a movie in the first place. <laughs> uh, so typically, like if if I'm like approaching it, I would I would I would go book first. Uh, just because I can't get some of the visual images out of my head when I'm reading. So makes sense. Of, yeah, so I'm kind of like working through, well, I work through like a bunch of different books very, very slowly all at once. So it just makes them go even slower than I already read. But like I, I kind of want to read, I probably mentioned this, so this is way back in the summer. I took a pause from this, but I do want to read like, Frank Herbert's six Dune books before I like hop into the movies. <laughs> well, good luck. Indeed, two down, four to go. Oh, all right, you're 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 a decent way at least. I'm moving, <laughs> but it's still it could be a while before I get to see the movies. Let's just put it that way. I mean, sci-fi is my preferred genre, so. You'll okay. have to tell me, like, as you go through the Dune series, what you think of all of the 
stories and characters you're introduced to and things all that. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 excited to move on, but like I've I've kind of taken a pause to like finish up some of the other books that I had sidelined and gotten halfway through or or what have you. Sure. For that. But yeah, so that that's my book answer. It's not like a concrete example because it's just like a thought, I guess. Okay, now we get to open it up a lot. Uh, I think we got a lot of options in video games. Okay, I am going to give a very consumeristic answer. Consumerist answer? I think I'm making up words again, which if you listen to the podcast, you know it is every episode. But I just remember like the first one that I thought was really cool. So I guess I'm really going back to childhood for a lot of these. But it was Crazy Taxi. And the fact that you could go to KFC and Pizza Hut was like the coolest thing. <laughs> It's a really bad example, I think, of a crossover because it's really just paid advertising. But to like little Eric, it was like, all right, I got to like bring someone to Pizza Hut real fast kind of thing was like so cool. I can't say that I I, I know that I played Crazy Taxi, but it was, I, I don't really have much of a memory like sync to that. I don't think I played it much either. Uh, it was like in the Dreamcast days and things like that. Oh, man, <laughs> I play that game all the time. I think I think for me, I mean, there there's a lot. I, I think my mind initially went to kind of like just different systems, universes and, and fighting games, you know, Smash Brothers, things of that. Oh, nature sure. It's pretty, pretty clear. But then oh. and again, I I did just kind of like poke around. I didn't like just grab random things but i think one that i saw and i remembered was in metal gear solid 3 how there's like an ape escape mini game <laughs> so i think i think like for weird things in video games obviously uh kojima uh you could you could find a lot of like interesting elements uh in his oh for sure <laughs> and then another one that i'd played a good amount of two and it's tough. It's not a game that I'm good at. Is uh, Super Meat Boy. Okay, so Super Meat Boy is a, a timed platforming game. So you get like a level. It's, I mean, it has, it's a play on uh, Super Mario Brothers. So it has the same initials, SM, or SMB for Super Mario Brothers, Super Meat Boy. But this one's a lot more punishing and you play a character that is meat <laughs> okay like you jump you slide down walls uh, and everything like that but you you can unlock playable characters from uh like half-life and other things that you can be as well yeah i definitely heard of it like how punishing it is you ever just like realize like how weird things sound out of context when you have to describe it to somebody it's like <laughs> okay so there's this video game i like you're playing as meat But I can't believe I forgot Super Smash Brothers. I I've played that game probably more than pretty much any other game. So I can't believe I forgot that one. That is such a good shout. <laughs> yeah, I think it must I mean, be a Nintendo thing. They love it because there was that. There's like Animal Crossing where you can always play like the older SNES games if you have it in your house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I I think that's like a really cool kind of like world 
building and, and having those overlaps in in their games and in their catalogs it just kind of makes them uniquely them yeah, I, I'm going with you in this round because, you know, mine's was basically paid advertising. It was paid advertising, <laughs> not basically. And then you actually came up with good answers. Indeed. I Like I said, I had to, like, poke around, but then I saw, I'm like, oh, yeah, I played that. Oh, yeah, I played that. So it wasn't, it wasn't just, I mean, the fighting ones were actually top of my head. So I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, there's like a million <laughs> where you have characters from all over the place. We are on to the final category, though. Uh, and that is board games. All right. So I am going in the direction that you kind of went with books. And I'm going a little bit theoretical because there's a couple that I, de I definitely want to see. More than ones that I have seen. And that might just be based on like where I am, really. But for example, like I'm cool with a wingspan retheme. But, like, dragons wouldn't have been my first choice. It would have definitely been Pokemon. <laughs> For sure. Like, would have been cool, I thought. You Perhaps. know, they're retheming so many things as Pokemon <laughs> these days. Why not Wingspan? Right? Instead of eggs, you have, like, little Pokeballs. I would so buy that. Maybe, maybe like, there were licensing hangouts. Maybe that was the goal. <laughs> There you go. And then we're just like, all right, we got to fall back on dragons, I guess. Uh, that said, that but, game does look really cool. <laughs> it, it does. It does. It really does. It, it, I think I think there must have been some kind of embargo because like all of a sudden, it, like my YouTube feed is filled with like 10 different channels that posted a Wormspan review yesterday. I'm like, um, all right. <laughs> Clearly, they were told yesterday they can be released. Um. But also the other one I came up with was uh, one of the only solo games I play is Spirit Island. And I know that like a lot of the gods are kind of based off of mythology, but it would just be really cool to have some that are like Zeus or Hades is there to defend the island would just be really cool, I think. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I could see that. That would be it would be like a very interesting if you're if you're and, you know, grabbing from all sorts of other like uh all kind of like culture like mythology right. and like having like figures from each that would be that'd be something neat yeah i think even like as like a promo or something it would be kind of cool i think yeah, um no. how about you what what did you come up with oh 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 i was gonna say was that yeah i, I mean that's just a game that i've played a couple times and i love and i mean it, it's gonna take it's gonna take me a while to get through all the spirits that i have already anyway so wow uh, whenever it is amazing the consistency of high level quality of all the different ones like all the different spirits throughout all the expansions i kind of can't believe it okay well i i mean i i don't doubt it i mean just like the way that the game was initially crafted and created and like i'm like well this is an absurdly good game i i would imagine that level of care and detail went into like everything <laughs> so i'll again another thing i can report back to you on so you got you get some dune thoughts and you get spirit island thoughts so you can hear those within the next five years all right <laughs> well great for the timeline how about you what's your crossover board game the thing i this was this actually popped into my head and I think it works. Uh, kind of speaking of uh, Stonemaier games, I was thinking about all the different 
promo packs that Jamie has for other games for Rolling Realms, if I didn't say that a game already. But I think kind of taking like the like a part of of one of the like a mechanism or a setting or something that another game is doing and like having that be implemented into a a card uh, or little play card for Rolling Realms is what I would say works as a crossover for board games in my opinion oh that's a really good one yeah i forgot about that one yeah i i, I had a couple other in my mind but i think i threw them away so they're gone i haven't played it either uh but i've heard good things about the unlock one that does a couple of games like there's one like in the pandemic universe and one in the Catan universe and one in the ticket to ride universe i think oh Okay, that's cool. I that I think that definitely works. I know that definitely works. That's a neat concept. I just haven't done a ton of those games in general either, so. We pretty much went through almost all of them during COVID. <laughs> we imported them like a, our game group imported all of them. And then because you can like the unlock series you don't rip up so you can reuse. Mm -hmm. So, we imported every single one from abroad and then we would like meet up like during the times we are allowed to go outside and be like all right i finished this one here you go okay i finished this one here you go like secret oh. unlock drug deals perfect that well you know what let's uh let's let's take that idea i like that i think yeah that makes a ton of sense like the that's really cool and that also seems like a a community type of of a thought and and in one of my crossover episodes i did bring up the show community but now we're moving on to a category that is about community so uh i mentioned earlier that you you know you asked me to be on on your podcast have those like year and thoughts and one of them was just like my contemplations. I don't even know if it made much sense, but it was just thinking about that idea of communities about like whatever that community is, whether that's, you know, like finding uh, more groups, doing more cons, just being more involved in online communities that are more kind of just like beneficial for you and, and your speed and, and finding what it is that helps you like grow and connect in and have like, a nice time while playing board games too, uh, kind of like adding to that experience of it as well. I just had me thinking about community and, and I really like that. And I think that your episode in having all sorts of like different people on was like an effort to build community and to like have uh, different people saying things. And I, I just really like that. Uh, I thought that was neat. And I just wanted to talk to you about like some of the ways that you're thinking about uh, your board gaming communities, like both offline uh, in real life and, and online and things that you connect to other people with, because that's, I mean, that's how we, that's how we met and that's how we've uh, started chatting. So, yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I have to thank you for coming in clutch for that episode because basically, I mean, everybody who participated in that episode did it on like a week's notice. It was like a week before I was like, you know, it'd be a good idea if I could just ask a bunch of people. I'm sure nobody's doing anything around the holidays. Ah! So thanks for that. 
because yeah i think it made a lot of sense um for me i think community like it starts off with the idea that like nobody prepares you for being an adult and how hard it is to maintain and create relationships like i always kind of thought it was like a myth like when i was in high school I'd be like no these are gonna be my friends forever and then you go off to college and you're like oh, okay maybe this is harder than i expected but now i'm like making friends as an adult i'm going to have my college friends forever this is going to be easy and then you leave college and people are getting married or they're having babies or somebody moves to japan and doesn't come back for seven years you know things like that and it's just like oh my goodness maybe this is harder than i thought and so for like for me board games have these kind of two different community aspects to them and it's what i mentioned before it's like maintaining relationships like it doesn't have to just be board games but games in general and it helps me talk to my friends that literally like i don't think i have been in the us for i haven't lived in the us since 2017 and so I haven't, like, I got to see my high school friends for the first time two years ago, since like 2016 for a wedding. And, but we've maintained communication by playing games online and checking in with each other and seeing how everybody's doing. Okay. You know, how's the spouse doing? Oh, how's your baby doing? Things like that. But it's also a way, as I mentioned in earlier in the podcast episode of creating new relationships because it gives you that opportunity to really come together with people that you have not met and maybe doesn't even speak the same language as you. Um, but it gives you a set of rules to kind of say, okay, you know what, for the next hour, we're going to play by the set of rules of this piece of cardboard that's in the middle of the table. And we're just going to kind of do this thing together. And hey, I kind of enjoyed doing this cardboard thing with you. You want to do this again next week? And it's just like these little things. And I think Board Game Arena, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way because for a lot of times, like, it's kind of like, okay, can I really judge how fun a game is based on its digital implementation? And that's maybe for a completely separate episode <laughs> and for people that, you know, are smarter than me to actually talk about. But on the other side, it's like, you know what? I am getting to meet people like you that I would never get to game with. Normally, like we would never get to interact with each other if we couldn't play these games online. And actually, a lot of the friends that I've made or have come on uh, my podcast specifically, like are people that I met playing board games on Board Game Arena. And you know what? Those really close knit friends and people that you can just play some games with online are both super important for what I think is like kind of a healthy social life if you're an extrovert like me. How about you? What what do board games kind of mean to you when you think of community? Because yeah, you came on and you talked all about how during the New Year's you were thinking so much about community. Uh, what what does that look like to you? What does kind of twenty twenty four community building through board games look like? Hmm. Well, I mean, and I, I really like your thoughts on that. That makes a ton of a ton of sense, and and it definitely seems uh, just. I mean, I don't know you as well as I know myself. It seems like you're a little bit more kind of like willing to go out there, uh, a move different countries, try different experiences than 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 I am uh, as well, and then going out and meeting people in those social settings. So, you know, one of the things is, well, it's kind of funny. You talked about like your high school friends. I still have like a pretty uh, close 
group of of high school friends obviously you know some have moved away but even even those uh for the people that are kind of in the surrounding areas if they're around we can try to set something up and and that's one of the things that i have uh done too is like if i know so and so is coming from like the western part of the country and they're they're visiting it's like hey let's all meet up and and now that i play more games i think games are a nice thing to do uh so things like one one of the most recent ones that happened like we we played wavelength it's a nice big social group type of game played uh ready set That's a great bet. played some ready set oh bet. i haven't tried and that one yet how was that it was good uh, i actually like two of my friends that were here bought it immediately after they played it so that's a great sign yeah i was gonna say i mean like i i can't yeah i'm not gonna like dive into all the technical elements of it it's literally just rolling dice moving horses and trying to get your butts in like well you can and then having things go completely wrong <laughs> once the, the other horse starts winning but it was fun it was funny uh we, we definitely liked it so i think that is kind of like a thing that has existed within, you know, some communities that I'm already a part of, but I would definitely like to, I'd like to get to uh, like some cons, um, never have been, especially more kind of like gaming centric ones. And I know that there, I've talked to people, you know, in, in like different fora and, and online about ones close to me that they're like, this is like a really cool one. It's uh, definitely more gaming focused and, people that are saying that they like some of the smaller ones if you like smaller ones you go to this so i'd love to do that there's actually a new board gaming store that's five miles from my house that i haven't been to that is dangerous <laughs> so just <laughs> just like like pushing myself and, and again you know everybody's got stuff that they got to do but just trying to carve out a little time meet some new people that obviously have the same interest as what i'm looking for because i think my my online communities have been nice just like uh doing more discord stuff getting familiar with that and i've i've met people through like people in real life through facebook marketplace and and games and <laughs> and have like real friendships of of chatting and and meeting up and and everything like that too and just like other other things but i for me the goal is just like supplement a little bit with finding more people who already have like that shared interest um to play more games yeah and hopefully that that's becoming more of a thing in the united states because i think really like being here in europe actually like um and being interested in board games i was shocked when i moved here of just like how many people are just like yeah board games are just for everybody they're not a kid's thing <laughs> But we still see it in the United States as generally a kid's thing. And then we're sitting here talking about, I mean, on a board game centric <laughs> podcast about like, hey, these things are actually really good for communities. And I found that with a lot of friends that I've made is that we actually grew close over board games, even though they would have never thought to do that. You know, I'll just like go over and I'll bring a board game like just in case, like, you know, you know, you're like first meeting people and it's kind of like, you know, do we have an icebreaker? What are we really going to talk about? Especially like my best friends in Japan are a group of guys that I met because of all of our girlfriends. 
And so we were kind of like, you know, like that thing when like the husbands or boyfriends are sitting in the room, like, sup, <laughs> sup, you're dating her, huh? Uh, yeah. Like, it's like, okay, I bring up this game and it's like something that they would have never requested, but we got closer because of it. And so it's interesting. Like, I hope that more people are kind of getting open to board games as a way of meeting new people and having a shared hobby, even if they hadn't thought about it before. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, I mean, you, you, you hit it right on the head. I think it's definitely something that's starting uh, like that kind of like thought or, or feeling is starting to grow, but maybe it's not super common. And I think it's something that like, you know, we, we obviously want to see too, because games aren't just for kids and, and they have like so many different positive uh, potential uh, impacts in, in many different ways socially do you have a game that you specifically (laughs) like bring out when you're like oh okay you know this is a good icebreaker game or like the best social game Hmm. do you have something you recommend um i would say like i'd say the two that sorry i'll say three i mean i think two of them are basically the not basically the same they're similar i think uh, ones that I've had a lot of success with. I mean, I mentioned Wavelength, and I think that works really well. Uh, I think, but I do think that there is potentially some element of, I think it would play differently depending on the group. If it's a group you're familiar with, it's going to play differently than a group of people that you're less familiar with. That's sure. true. Uh, but I think like just one is a good one. And and then So Clover is a very similar uh, example. Something that has that cooperative element to it and it's just you know word association and and the social elements that can come from that and then uh, that's a good point because cooperation is like a good way to kind of get on the right foot with people like let's all work together for a common goal for the next 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then we can see if we can be competitive after that yeah yeah and i think may this isn't well it's like competitive cooperation but i think similar to wavelength but green team wins uh is an example that could work too but that one you just want to get in sync with what the group is thinking in order to score points so i've heard really good things about that one i need to try that one yeah i that that gets like a a solid recommend for me so check it out (laughs) all right (laughs) all right how about you for that question then like a good i mean I shot it from the rooftops as much as I possibly can, but it's definitely Ito for me. It's I-T-O. Um, it replaced Wavelength for me because it's essentially a mix of Wavelength and the mind. So it's like the cooperation of mind that you're all trying to get between 1 and 99, but it works on the Wavelength thing where it's like you can only give a hint by saying a clue of where your number is. So like 99 would be more of something. One would be less of something. So if I said like, oh, what's the best pizza topping? Because that's our topic. Like the person who says 99 might say pineapple because it's absolutely the best pizza topping and I will not hear any arguments. And then (laughs) one would be something like anchovies. And then you got to go around the table and be like, okay, I think like, let's all agree. I think like the pineapple is probably higher than the anchovies and you just have to put them in order. So uh, like my, my question is I'm trying to work around to it. Uh, If I'm like, not mistaken there's a a new version that you've been 
shouting from the rooftops about too. Like, I guess what, speaking of, like, it's a game that I wasn't as super familiar with and, like, saw uh, because of your, your mentionings and everything like that. So, like, you trying to highlight, uh, like, different games. Like, what's the, I guess, availability? I guess that's a question I have, in short, of acquiring either version. So I always mention this on every on every episode or every video that we do because this is a huge question because most of the games we're, we're covering are from like Japan or Korea or something. But Ito is very available because um, it is still one of the most popular games in Japan. Like no matter what, if you go to a board game cafe, there is almost always a table playing it to the point that every board game cafe I've been to has to have multiple copies. So you can get it on Amazon Japan and they will ship it internationally. Okay, and I know they're always adding countries as to where they're shipping. So right now, Ito Rainbow is the new one that you're talking about, which is seen as like Ito 2.0 by the designer. Um, And our newest video, spoiler alert, recommends that version, partly because it's just a lot more accessible. Like it's a lot more available and it comes with more and you can play the original version with the new version. Um, but also, they have already announced that they've at least partnered with somebody for an English version. They haven't announced when that's going to be released, but they did release an English version at Essen in a very, very limited capacity. So it's definitely like out there. And you can just, right now, honestly, you could just play it with the mind cards or any game that you have 1 to 99, and then all the topics are online. But the art in it looks too good to do that route instead, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, you, the art is very divisive. I would say like, you need to ask people about like what they did. Like go look it up and decide if the art is for you that's out there listening. Some people really like it. And some people are like, get that art as far away from me as possible. <laughs> I would, I think it's cool. I would much rather play with it than, than, uh, than mind cards <laughs> that's true i'll give you that yeah <laughs> well i i like it too for what it's worth cool so oh okay i guess like another follow-up question i'm just trying to think so you what is like your pulse on ito's popularity outside of japan so obviously you know you're sh shouting it from the rooftops it's available like anybody could you know hop on uh, and get it and get it delivered internationally yeah i think since the essen release more people i have seen it talked about on a couple more podcasts and a couple more youtube channels because you know you don't have to translate every single thing the cards are easy enough that like the topics you could just literally put like your phone over it in google lens and it's like the text is super huge so it's very very easy to do but i mean having a game in english is just a lot easier um, I've heard more podcasts and more YouTube channels talking about it. I know uh, Trick Talkers, which is a podcast that we have a lot of overlap in audience. Um, they have been like, they've literally done full episodes on Ito in the last couple months. And it's just, it's making me so happy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, that's nice. Like to have, yeah, have something that you know is as good and, and knowing that it's just kind of like growing and, and more people are seeing it. It's like, oh, you like it too. It's like, well, of course you like it. Why wouldn't you like it? <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Neat. Of course, there's always that like little hipster part of you too, of like, oh, I liked it before it was cool. But... <laughs> Yes. Oh, I think I think I had like an unintentional hipster moment before, like earlier in the episode. I, if I like remember it, I'll bring it up or I won't bring it up. But nonetheless, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's it's kind of like. I don't know, doing doing as much as you can to try to like shout out things. And that's that's kind of like your goal uh, as well, just to like bring more more of an audience to particular things, getting those crossovers again all right oh man so that a lot of talk about community <laughs> and my brain is now like over here as opposed to like <laughs> where i was like initially thinking but it's it's a good it's a good uh good diversion of of different thoughts but we we get to transition uh, a little bit from one of the communities that was mentioned and that was like board game uh, arena so this is our kind of final episode specific category and and that is about the the game that we're playing on board game arena which is currently unless things have changed since the past like couple weeks your seventh favorite board game of all time and that is innovation and we're we're in the midst of our third asynchronous game of innovation right now which is an innovative game and oh my goodness i just for anybody who's unfamiliar with it this is my very poor explanation you have cards you can play the cards you can keep the cards in your hand if you want i mean honestly there's potentially benefits to doing all sorts of different things but they they have like like a rank and you have to get to get that rank out on your board in order to acquire more or do different things with the cards. You want to score them. Uh, and then from scoring, you want to claim achievements, but claiming achievements could take your turn. It's wacky. You want icons. I don't know. There's like 80 different things going on, but like once you get it, you get it. And then, then you don't get it. Cause you play against somebody who's like a million times better than you and, and you lose in like two seconds and you're like, wait, what just happened? I thought I know how to play this game. <laughs> and And then you realize that you don't, but, uh, so that's the game that we're playing, and that is section kind of like number uh, three, which is innovation times three. A brief, a brief chat about uh, the game. Any any further thoughts of you in addition to what I said, and then talking about uh, your what you're looking for uh, in terms of kind of like innovation, and and also like looking for things to. And I think this ties into like what you're trying to do that is innovative with like your channel uh, in part. It's not everything that you're doing that's innovative with your channel and your podcast as well. And kind of tying those two things together in what you're looking for in, in board games later. But we'll, I'll, I'll re-question those things later on. So your thoughts on my explanation of innovation and any other further ones that you have on the game that is innovation <laughs> yeah yeah we'll definitely have to break that down one by one but yes. for right now yes you're right it is the seventh my seventh favorite board game of all time it's about to move to eighth i think if you beat me for the third straight game um <laughs> <laughs> no i lose a lot uh anybody who plays with me knows that i'm just pretty bad at games um mostly because i play games 
in a way that like I try to see what if I pull these levers, what happens this time? I'm an exploratory gamer. If I, I think that's like a category where it's just like I win. I feel like I win if I did something that nobody has seen before happen in the game. So it's like, oh, you know, like like for innovation, I think in the second game, I tried to win based off of one card in which <laughs> um, if you get rid of a card in your hand, you can score other cards in your hand. So I just loaded up on like 15 cards in my hand and it was just like, all right, that's fine. I'm just going to get a bunch of points because I'm going to get rid of a card every time and then I'm going to score like three or four of them. And then you played a card that said I had to empty my hand and my game was over. Um, <laughs> so, but it was like, all right, I want to see how this wins. But it's a game like that. It's it's a game in which you always think it's unfair. But both people think it's unfair because you both people are going, how did you do that? That doesn't seem like it should happen. Now, let me play something that doesn't seem like it should be able to happen in a game that works. But it works. So, I mean, there's a couple different kind of stepping on points to it there's the perpetually out of print glory to rome there's innovation which is like just crazy and then there's motainai which hey is a japanese word to mean waste huh. kind of it doesn't really have a good translation okay but is the easiest stepping on point for people that like maybe want to try it but yeah it's it's been fun it's been enjoyable playing with you i've uh, innovation for some reason seems to be the game that when I meet people, we tend to play that first before branching off into other games. And I don't know why. I mean, I, I think I picked it because I saw that you were playing it. Like I, I looked at your games played. So when, when you're like, hey, just pick a game, I'm like, well, we both played this one. So that's the reason for, for our playing it. I think it's a good choice. I, Thank you for choosing it. I think you got. I think you have a chance of this one. So I don't think three straight's going to happen. I've been trying to like cut cards to the point where I find a red card so that my red cards actually splay right. So I've been wasting actions doing that, but we'll see. Maybe it'll work. Did you hear that? <laughs> audience has the most optimistic compliment he could give me is that I have a chance. <laughs> not a good chance. Not a solid chance. It's a soft chance. Mm. Well, <laughs> I, I would I, honestly. I don't know this one. This one has me feeling uneasy. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I I hesitate to put innovation in my top ten for one reason, and that's because I've I own it, and I'm technically I'm I'm think like from a physical standpoint, I'm just going to move on to the new version that's going to be coming out. Oh seems, yeah, that seems even wackier. <laughs> the age eleven cards are a thing. Well, it's, it also seems like what there's like a mechanism for kind of getting rid of ages entirely correct <laughs> yeah I, I i haven't like intentionally looked into it too much but it just seems it seems more out there so nonetheless i i haven't played this game in real life like with the physical cards interesting it is a game though and it, it kind of brings back talking about bga i think it is a game that works a lot better digitally in terms of like learning the game, kind of figuring out how everything works, how the scoring works, what can I do, what can't I do? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think some of those, like, conditional things that you're mentioning work really well online and and seeing things that that other people are doing in order to help you learn it, too. I, go, I guess I, 
I would definitely play in real life with somebody that knows how to play the game as well, but I'm not sure how much I'd want to teach it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's. Do you have like a game that's probably in your top 10 that you're like, man, I really like playing this online and in person? Or do you find that most of your top 10, you probably have like that physical experience with? Um, well, so I think, I think like there are potential, this is weird. So I play a lot of games where I'll like play multi-handed too. <laughs> so like I'll have them in real life and I'll play them multi-handed and there'll be times where I'll come back to the multi-handed, but then I'll play them in between on board game arena. And I think a couple, and I haven't made a top 10 list. So two that would have a chance of being on there that I have actually not played with people, <laughs> but I have played in real <laughs> life would be Twa and Beyond the Sun. Oh, sure, yeah. Which, speaking of being not good at games, I'm I'm on like a four-game last-place streak in Beyond the Sun, so there's that. Well, if you want to end that streak, I'll play, I'll play you <laughs> on that. But Twa's interesting, because I hear the digital implementation is actually not good. It, I, I've heard that it's not particularly great, and... I could I could attest to that. So I just have to be careful. Make sure I do what I want to do before I actually do it. Because I think the biggest thing is the lack of an undo feature. Which is an odd choice. It is. I mean, I feel like at this point, too, if that is a common complaint, that it would be fixable. <laughs> we, just, we just both did the shrug <laughs> emoji, by the way, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> But we we have we have the double shrug, <laughs> so I I'm not going to be coding or creating any board game arena implementations anytime too soon. So I'm not going to speak on that. But it's a nice way to get a little bit of uh, play in, and then also just like learn some of the cards a little bit better and how to like strategize with them. But those are those are both great games. So to answer your question, I don't know if either of those two would make it. They would have like they would definitely have a good chance, but I think on the whole, I'd probably like I I would have had like a decent amount of like in person play to count them for for better or for worse or for subjective reasons that make sense. Who knows? Sure. Makes sense. <laughs> That's why I asked. I was like, it, it was curious. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I would say honestly, if I played like innovation in person like two times, it'd be a top ten game. Unless those two plays were terrible for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I make it to Wisconsin, that's where you are. That's if you're a Packers I, fan. Yep, I am from Wisconsin. If I make it to Wisconsin, then I'll. Uh... Or, we'll have or, to play. Or like a Midwest con, we could find one. And I mean, honestly, uh, now that I say that, I'm pretty sure that both Gen Con and Origins are like Indianapolis and, and Columbus, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. How about that, Midwesterners? We really like our board games. It's because there's so much snow. What else are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, right now, I don't want to be outside, so I'll play board games instead. Did you guys have, um, like classes in school of how to ski and snowboard like as part of your school curriculum no all right 
Did you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if it was like a class specifically, but I think it was like a unit in gym where we had to learn how to do that. So we like went to the mountains. Huh. That's cool. Hashtag I, just Minnesota things. I mean, honestly, kind of jealous. That seems neat. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, I mean, like for the longest time, I know my elementary school had like a ski club where basically you'd go out to a local like ski and snowboarding hill. If that's like the thing that you're interested in. And I, for the longest time, was convinced that they were just going out on like a hill outside of the school and just like skiing <laughs> and snowboarding down that. And I'm like, oh, well, I, I eventually learned that that was not the case, <laughs> that there was like a real place for people to go. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, no, I honestly can't think of any, any classes like that or any activities as far as I can remember, so. Okay, cool. Well, oh goodness gracious. We're we're on we're at innovation, we're on ski hills, we're in Minnesota uh education. And we're back to you and I'll try to kind of combine the the thoughts. So, you know, I talked about well, I kind of mentioned it, but part of your goal with your channel and your show is to like bring uh, exposure to different games and presumably uh, finding ones that have like some sort of, uh, I mean, some sort of like appeal and or probably innovative like hook to them. So kind of like you talked about a little bit before, but I guess like what is it about a game that has you thinking that it's something that you really want to uh, you know, like in Ito's case, like shout from the rooftops or or really beyond like that mirror, not the mirror, beyond that like overarching goal of of really trying to like bring broader exposure to games that you feel like deserve it. But like, what is it about a game that's really going to have you do that more? <laughs> oh, man. That is really a difficult question. Um, I, th you know what? I don't even know if there's like a particular thing that we particularly look for, but it's more in the sense that like it's doing something a bit unique because that's one of my favorite things about the Asian board game scene. If I can like overgeneralize a bit is that like you have the kind of German game, Euro game kind of thing that's like, you know, the stereotypically not really, the theme is not important, but the mechanics are, the the amount of no luck, right? The lack of luck that's in the game. And then on the other side, you have a Marathrash games, right? That are kind of the opposite of that, right? Very theme forward games and hopefully like the mechanics kind of have something to do with the theme and might be lucky and things like that right but what I, thought, what I find about asian games is like they really combine the two very very well because actually like a lot of games that my japanese friends will actually have in their house because we have to remember that japanese houses like japanese apartments are just like a lot smaller so there's not a whole lot of space 
for Japanese games. But a lot of, or there's not a lot of space for like games in general. But a lot of them are actually like 20 year old games or like 1990s games from Germany. And that'll be the inspiration for a lot of games that are made now. And so it's this kind of thing of like what I liked about Ito, for example, and what we look for in some like the party games that are coming out of Japan is like, these are games that are getting people that aren't normally into board games to go so far as to go to a board game cafe in the afternoon to try it out. Like board games are really in the past couple of years, really starting to gain ground in popularity in Japan specifically. Sorry that I can't talk about other countries. Like I've just like lived in Japan, but you know, you have other games like that, that'll try to bring people into board games that aren't normally into games. But you also, this is the same country that's also pretty internationally known for its innovations and in trick takers and climbers and shedders. And so there's a lot of things happening there. And then on top of that, you have some of the weirdest dexterity games that you'll find. <laughs> um, I mean, just the other day, uh, Tokyo Highway, the new edition of it is coming out of Ethan, and that's kind of an internationally known one. And this is the same country that's kind of coming out of this. And more and more, it's just like, I think people know about Oink and Sashi and Sashi, but there's so much going out of it that I don't know if there's a particular thing we look for in to cover in a game other than here is something that is interesting and indicative of how diverse the board gaming scene is here. If that makes sense. No, I, I think that makes like a ton of sense. Sorry. I w if you're getting a weird look for me, I'm trying to see uh, a couple of, I mean, you mentioned one of the more uh, well-known ones in, uh, you literally just said it like two seconds ago. My my oink Tokyo oink, Highway Dexterity oink, game. Oh oink oink, and and like kind of like some odd uh, dexterity games. But I I pre pre ordered both uh, Drapolter and Rafter Five. Ah <laughs> oh, sure yeah the and, new ones and, and those look those look really uh, fun and I just think it's I think it's interesting being able to like fit that much of a like of dexterity game into that size box too. Like, I mean, I, I have, you know, scout because a lot of people have scout. I have maskman and, and uh fake artist as well. But I guess I never really thought like, Hey, you can put all these random pieces that you have to try to hold in your hand into a box for a game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I will urgently uh await them being able to like be released from their hold position so <laughs> but yeah no so that's what i was just thinking about when you're talking but yeah overall like like you just like kind of looking for you know other games that are doing you know similar or different things uh and just bring exposure to them in that way makes a lot of sense so uh, one of the things too, I that I, you know, with your channel, I liked you bring in the community. You think about like science and history of games as well, and and also kind of backtracking the community again. One of the things that I liked that you've just recently uh, did was create these Tokyo Game Market uh, mystery boxes. So what are 
overall, like what are some of the things that you were thinking about from like an like an innovation or experimental or just trying things standpoint uh, for you for this year that you want to talk about? Oh, that is a difficult question, mostly because I don't think we're innovative at all, which I know I'm doing a great, a great job at marketing my channel between like, uh, like between like, I'll say one interesting thing during this podcast, but I, I say that because it's, it's almost an intentional thing of, you know, I don't have the personality uh, to do like the humorous skits, like something like a shut up and sit down or a no pun included or things like that. And I don't have the cinematography skills, at least not yet, to do something like Tim Tuan or Shelf Side or a channel like that. But at the same time, what we do have that maybe that even if like even big channels like that don't have is access to a community to a board game scene that to many seem very inaccessible. And a lot of that reason is like a lot of things that like kind of can't be helped. It's just kind of, it is what it is kind of thing where it's just like, okay, maybe because it's language barrier or the fact that like, it's really expensive to fly to Japan. Like, and it's a different kind of equation when you're looking at buying something that you have to import. And so the whole thing that we're trying to do is kind of give access to that scene. So in every one of our videos, even though we're not doing like really funny skits or amazing special effects or anything like that, we're just trying to bring people like information because a lot of times the only information you're going to have is probably in Japanese, let's say, and you can just hope that Google Translate did a good enough job. Or we try to give general overviews and teaches of games that don't have an English rule book. Or just the fact that, like, I know that it's a hot topic in the review scene of do we include price in our evaluation of a game? And yet our normal series, when we review games, it's called it's part of a series called Import or Not, where literally one of the evaluations things is how much does it cost? Because, you know, if, if you're getting something that's in your country, let's try, let's say six nipped, right? You might have heard something good about Six Nymphed. And you know how much it costs you to try that out? $8, $10. You could get it on Amazon. You can go to your friendly local game store. You can go to the new game store. That's, you know, five minutes away, whatever it is, or five miles away, right? And then you're just like out 8 to $10. It kind of sucks, but it's only 8 to $10. But if you heard something on your favorite podcast of a game that's from Japan that you have to import, it might only be a $15 game. But it's going to be another $15 in import fees. So it's kind of one of those things where, okay, you know, we need to include that in our reviews. And it's just more of like giving access to that. Like, is it actually worth that import? And then part of that is what you so nicely alluded to in the lead up to this question, which is also, okay, I am a teacher. And part of that is like, I'm a, my, my background is in psychology, it's in political science, like the social sciences, and in research specifically. So, you know, let's, let's talk about game design. Let's talk about different ways people experience FOMO. Like, what's the psychology of FOMO? And then let's say it in a way that anybody can understand. We don't expect you to come and listen to one of the, my lecture episodes, as I call them, knowing anything about it. Anybody can do it, even if you're not normally interested in it, because it'd be so cool if it's like, you know what? I don't normally listen to anything about psychology, but I learned a really cool psychology fact today. Like, 
Great. Awesome. That makes me happy. And then finally, in the Tokyo Game Market boxes, which started as a way of saying like, you know what? Japanese games and these games at the Tokyo Game Market are starting to get really, really popular as people have more access to them. Because, hey, Japan actually took a long time to reopen after COVID. But now that it's there, you know what's happening is the same thing that happens with tickets. It happens with so many other things. It's like people are scalping, which defeats the purpose of making things more accessible because they're making it more accessible for a very limited group of people. So let's do mystery boxes where I would email all these different designers that usually wouldn't get their games outside of Japan or outside of Korea, and my partner at travelgames.co.uk, who were coming into this, like we're doing a partnership doing this, did the same thing. And now we have all these different games that we're just going to send out to people. And it not only includes these like really rare games that maybe sold out at Tokyo Game Market that we just got pre-order copies of, but it also includes these games from completely unknown designers and allows them to get their games to people who normally would have never heard of it before. And I translated the rules for them for free. And it's just kind of this thing of like, all right, you know what? We're bringing people Japanese games. Like we're bringing the people to Japan, but we're also bringing Japan to the people. And so I don't think we're doing anything innovative per se, because we're not really the best, I don't think, at anything, which is an awful, again, awful tagline for, for everything. But I really want to... Like we really want to be, I keep saying, I don't know why, but we really want to be these kind of people that are like, when I think of almost like who I can go to, to kind of learn about something new, then I can go to that. And you know what? They're like so down to earth and so approachable because they're not like doing tons and tons, and tons of things that I can like ask them questions. I can like argue with them a little bit if I disagree about something or where can I find this? Like, I, I really want this game, but like, it's so expensive. Do you have any kind of tips as to how to even go shopping in Japan. I don't speak Japanese. What should I do? That kind of thing. So, and I think that like your show has kind of given a kind of similar perspective of really like bringing these topics and um, really giving a personality to some really difficult questions and kind of giving a voice to these things that I think not everybody thinks about because we're like so busy playing the the games, but we miss some of the aspects that are with them. And so I think that like your podcast is also really cool in that way. Well, I appreciate that. I think, I think the, what you're mentioning with the difficult questions is just the way that I phrase them. <laughs> uh, but no, no. In, in all That serious... explains why I've gotten some easy questions. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I mean, me, me trying to get to like, you, the the three time innovation question was meant to be like three separate ones, and then it was one, and then it was two. I don't know. That's it is what it is. But you know, end of the day, I I like you know exploring uh, board games. I like exploring different mediums in general. I I I think uh, you mentioned the the Dan Thoreau episode. I I am a very self proclaimed non expert in in many different fields. Like I no no claim on expertise in anything but i like to i mean I, I love games but you know even even if i'm not in like a a period of watching like a ton of like movies uh maybe as much as i used to or even reading or whatever it is like at any particular time like i still want to like kind of be 
have like access to them or at least be thinking about them and then also thinking about them in in the realm of like board games and in conversation with them too uh just i don't know long story short it lets me talk about anything and it lets me talk to people that like or want to talk about it with me or are tricked into talking uh, about it with me <laughs> but it's kind of a fun thing though too it's just like constantly learning constantly exploring asking people who know more than you about a topic it's just like that's really fun and and again yeah i mean like and hearing i mean hearing your vision for your uh you know your like what you're doing with the the Tokyo game market box and doing like what you're doing with the channel and the podcast and just like hearing other people's different stories too, like no matter like what sphere of, of board games that they're in is like, to me, just like an, like an extra like level that I love. Like I love like the personal stories behind, you know, some of the designers games. And I also love the fact that, you know, there are going to be people that are receiving these games from you. And, and you said Ben from, uh, travel games that you can I'll put the yeah link yeah in. yeah Ben from travelgames.co.uk yeah it's a long I'll, <laughs> it's I'll a long insert thing. that that link so people can see that too but like I mean they're going to get something that was you know like designed translated packaged and I mean it just has like an extra layer and I think that that adds adds to the story like whether or not. And I think people getting the games from you would like understand that too, but just having these these layers, I don't know. I think it's fun. That's why I'm doing it. I guess. <laughs> it, I I have to tell like it's it's a kind of like cute thing that uh when uh when I was emailing some of the designers like these smaller designers, they would be so humble about like their games. Like you, what you 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 want my game? Do you want me to give you the email for like Oink? Because they have, like, good games. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want your game. Stop being like this. <laughs> Give me 30 of your game. And they'll be like, oh, uh, okay, is there anything else that you, that you want? I'm like, also send me a picture so I can put you so that people can learn about things. So we actually have pictures of some of the designers who felt comfortable. Some of them didn't feel comfortable. But we actually have pictures of, like, some of them included thank you notes for all the things because it, like, meant that much to them that people are, like, trying their game they were like i never thought that i would get to go to like my game would be in the u.s or the uk like that's so cool yeah that's that's absolutely fantastic and and that's what i mentioned you 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 were being like them in this interview and in your response too i think that is something that not everybody's doing that level of like care in in trying something new and well i i wanted to hear more about it and i'm glad I'm glad that I was able to. So, <laughs> well, I, I can't believe you invited me on to the podcast, but I am like I'm incredibly appreciative. It's been so much fun talking to you. All right, yeah, I well, you don't you don't get to escape without the final question, though. Ah, oh, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. I no, I know that this is like a lot, a lot of a lot of talk about so many different things and. <clears throat> No, I, I told you to... I'm an extrovert. Talking okay. energizes me, so I'm good. Okay. Good. And and I know you got the the pre-show caffeine in, so we'll we'll get to finish strong. I I think like I said, I I really appreciate you coming out and talking, so I'll give you the thank you before you get the final question anyway. Then I'll thank you after. Midwestern uh hospitality there. <laughs> oh, sure, y'all. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> but 
so yeah, this is this is like the the text that has been kind of like stuck on uh, your mind. Something you've been thinking about that you've been reading, watching, playing, listening to, what have you? A text. A text. Any text. You can think about anything that you've been engaged with that you're like people should listen to this people should watch this people should play oh this. man i actually had one. Oh my goodness hold on i have to pull it up because <laughs> i literally was just uh mentioning this to one of my students oh you know what it was um i have to i i will be embarrassed if i don't get this like right on so i this actually has to do really well with the community aspect of it because for some reason lately I've been thinking of Zelda specifically uh, that it's dangerous to go alone. And I think a lot of what in, um, I've been trying to do lately, not in terms of the board game dojo, but like in my personal life is trying to get, trying to do everything myself, trying to take on all the pressure myself and then learning you know now that i've been around the sun 29 times it's like i think i'm finally learning to rely on other people for things and to really get other people's advice and expertise on things that nobody expects you to know everything nobody expects you to be an expert in everything i think it was in uh dale carnegie's book like how to make friends I don't remember the title of it. I should definitely know the title of it because that'll make me sound a lot smarter. How to win friends and influence people of like, hey, if you actually ask people for advice, they will like you better. And it's like, well, actually, like, I feel like I'm trying to just build relationships in general now. And I want that to be a two-way street. Like, if I ask them for help, then actually they're asking me for help. That's one of the things that like Ben from travelgames.co.uk, that's one of the reasons that him and I like started working together is because we needed each other's help for something. And then we needed each other's help again. And then we were just like, actually, you know what? Let's just like work on this new project that we had an idea for. And so I think that that's it. it it's dangerous to go alone, which is like such a nerdy <laughs> thing to be like, that's a nerdy text, but there it is. Well, not not just the game, not just the message from the text, but also a nice philosophical message to to wrap us up with. Wow, that's the intertextual <laughs> cardboard experience. This this was it. This was the. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it has a the in the title. Uh, I know it doesn't have a the in the title, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much. I will. I'll make sure that I. You know, link uh, your, your YouTube. I'll link your podcast. I'll link. Uh, so sorry, just the Tokyo Game Market box is still available. They're going on sale. I don't know when you're posting this, but they go on sale at six p.m. Uh, UK time mm -hmm. on Friday, January twenty sixth. Okay. Well, this is going to be not in time for that so if there are any if there are any boxes available after the pack when this gets posted early next week <laughs>
don't worry too much because you can put on that you're interested in a new box and we might be doing a second round of them if we get enough requests. Okay. So put in your thing. If we're sold out, like put in a request because that tells us that like it's actually worth doing round two. Cool. Well, I, I mean, I think it's absolutely fantastic and I, I'm sure that it's been a lot of work. Like I can't even <laughs> imagine that process, but I, I think it's going to be fun for you to like see uh, those out in, in the world and, and seeing all these other games, which is what you're trying to do in the first place, uh, get into more people's hands and they'll just be like a super rewarding experience. Yeah, I hope so. Awesome. Well, thank you uh, so much again. I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll make sure that all that is available to anybody. And like, I think it's neat too, that hopefully even further increased interest in that will keep this a thing to come for some time. Thank you so much. Arigatou gozaimashita. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute blast. Perfect. And I think because I came on, you have to actually let me win innovation. Um. Well, we'll 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 play it out. We'll see. We'll, okay. <laughs> I'll put. In, I have I'll, a chance. You have a chance. Show <laughs> show notes will will say the final score. All right. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> have have a good one. Bye bye. Intertextual Cardboard Experience, the most eclectic podcast about board games and any other text that they connect to. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time here. Any further support, such as sharing the show with friends, following the page's socials in the episode description, writing a review, filling out the feedback form, or doing anything else you can think of is greatly appreciated. Keep playing, watching, reading, listening, experiencing.